master, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then well, the life is over and our work on earth is done. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mr. Ron, would you pray for us? Please. Father, we just thank you for letting us be in church this morning. And mm. pray that we can keep our minds clear and focused on Amen. you and what Pastor will bring. Lord, we just pray you bless him with a clear mind and, and help him to present what you lay on his heart this week. Mm. Lord, we love and praise you. Thank you for Jesus, your son, who died mm. for us. Pay for our sins so we can come to this early and be loving on this day. Amen. All right, please stay standing and turn your hymn books to number 15. This will be a new one. This will be, uh, it's not a new one. We sang it at Church Hill, and I said, we sing it before. Okay, it's been a few years, I think. Stepping in the light. We'll all sing as loud as we can. Stepping in the light. All right. I don't know how to start. Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, trying to follow our Savior and King, shaping our lives by this blessed example. Happy, how happy the songs that we bring. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, stepping in the light. Stepping in the light, how beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in the paths of light, pressing more closely to Him who has leading when we are tempted to turn from the way, trusting the arm that is strong to defend us. Happy, now happy, our praise is each day. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in the paths of light. Walking in footsteps of gentle forbearance, Footsteps of faithful mercy and love. Looking to Him for the grace freely promised. Happy, how happy our journey above. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Led in the paths of light, trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, upward will, upward will follow our guide. When we shall see him looking in his beauty, happy, how happy, our place at his side. 
How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in the paths of light. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. All right, we'll have Pastor come do announcements. All right, well, it is good to be here this morning. Thank you for coming and being a part of the service today. It is a blessing and uh, thankful for all of the folks who come, We're part of our church family. It was, a, it was a blessing to go and fill in at Church Hill last week, uh, but it's always nice to come back home, you know, just uh, to visit and see some folks we don't see very often and get to kind of see how their life's going, what's changed since the last time we got to see them and preach there, but it's always a blessing to come back. Uh, Wednesday, we didn't have service, of course. We were supposed to go up to Yarmouth to fill in, um, down to Yarmouth, I guess it would be, but... Uh, they canceled, and then I hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed and decided to cancel here. Thursday, we went to Rumford to fill in, so that was a little bit of a hike, um, but uh, that was a blessing. Uh, Brother Brooks, one of our missionaries, Brooks Suttle, uh, funny thing, his email is bsuttle. <laughs> I don't want him to think of that, but anyways, Brother Brooks, uh, he's down south trying to raise some more financial support because church planters... A lot of times churches will support them for like one year, maybe two, and then they, they kind of drop off their support because they figure, you know, back in the 60s or 70s, in a year or two, a church could be self-sustaining. But now in the 21st century, you know, time we're in now, it just doesn't often work that way. But anyway, so he's pastoring there in Yarmouth, planted that church. He also is pastoring a church in Rumford that um, was going to close down that he took um, in order to keep that ministry going and then he also has a printing ministry they print gospel tracks um, so we've supported them since they started I think back in 08 no no we started in 08 so I think it's like 2013 maybe 2012 2013 but God's been blessing them so anyways he's uh, doing that and uh, been filling in some for him so anyways a blessing sweet people down there in Rumford um, small church old building uh, it's I don't know how old, but it's old. It's a steam heating system. It runs on steam. I don't, I don't even know how that works. It's before my time. So anyways, but just a neat old building and uh, sweet people. Anyways, that was a blessing. So, But it is good to be back in our church with our folks. A uh, few announcements. Continue praying about our building project. Um, you know, still picking away at trying to organize things and get people, get the information we need and get the things checked off that we need to accomplish before spring. Um, I think I shared already, I spoke with our, uh, the gentleman doing the slab and we're good for the springtime. So, um, as it gets closer, we'll get everything nailed down, but, uh, got that project under or that planning underway. Um, also ladies meeting February 13th. So that's, I think about two weeks away. Um, that'll be at 6 p.m., and then Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m., we'll be going soul winning, so door knocking on that Saturday. So if you can be here for that, be a blessing. And I uh, bumped into Jesse this week, got to chat with him a little bit, and um, invited him to church, met his mom, and uh, told him, come on down, we'd love to see you. I said, people still ask about you, we're all praying for you, and we'd love to see you again. And, and he said, thank you, Pastor. He said, I'll come and visit soon. He said, I'll be back soon. All right. 
So anyways, prayerfully he will follow through on that. So it's a blessing just going around town and I get to see some of the people that we've, you know, I ran into Tim Lovely. He only visited the one time, but I ran into him a few weeks ago at the post office. So it's just it's a blessing when you bump into the people and get to talk with them and keep that relationship going prayerfully. They'll come and be more be more consistent. But anyway, thought that was good. So I think that's all I have for announcements right now. So ushers, if you could come on down. Caleb, can you pray for the offering, bud? Yes, sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. We just bless the offering, Lord. We just bless the service. Please help us to have a good um, service today, Lord. And uh, please bless our hearts today. We bless um, the pastor has prepared for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn the hymn books to 29. We'll all stand together. I want to make mention we are getting a specials um, lineup. So for people to uh, do specials, to sing on Sunday, we're going to try to get a lineup for uh, different families. We'll do kids. We'll try to work it out. If the kids are a little nervous, we'll have like me or my brother or something, Elizabeth, or my dad help out. We'll just try to line up some specials. So be bold. Help uh, past the pastor family. We're the ones who usually do it, so be bold to help us out. You know, I am trying to guilt trip you. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. But uh, it would be nice if we could have some help for uh, the specials lineup. Please, I'll have a sign-up sheet sheet next week for people, um, but you can also tell me as well today. Um, so 29, we'll get to the song real quick. 29. How deep the Father's love for us. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to Upon his shoulders, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was a me mm-hmm. 
hid his finest. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for singing. You may be seated. All right, we'll have Pastor come up now and preach to us. All right, well, where I wasn't here last week and we didn't have the afternoon service, we are going to continue on uh, in Hebrews 11 and keep this moving forward on our theme message. We should wrap it up today, but uh, I did want, to, uh, did want to finish that up. Whoop. So, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go ahead and stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're just going to read once again the first three verses, and then we'll jump down to verse 6. We'll pray, be seated, and uh, those are to set the context for our, for our passage, but we're going to be down a little bit further. But let's go ahead and pray. Uh, no, let's go ahead and read these verses first, then we'll pray and get into the message. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the blessing it is to, uh, to have, to possess faith. And Lord, what that faith provides for us in our lives. Salvation, a relationship with you. And Father, through it, we are able to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do. By faith, Lord, if we live by faith, the things that can be accomplished for you are profound. But many of them listed here in Hebrews 11. And as we consider some of these things, Lord, I pray that you'd give us grace. I pray that you'd strengthen our faith, that you'd build us up, help us to live for you and to serve you, and to walk with you. Lord, we ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you remember last week, my plan was to go through more of the different uh, folks here and examples that we have here in Hebrews 11. I guess it was two weeks ago. But we really just covered Noah 
and then we jumped down and read several of the verses at the end of the chapter. I told you that afternoon we would uh, talk about how we live by faith, um, but we'll, so we'll, we'll plan on getting to that this morning. Uh, but first we're going to look at a couple others here. Um, I probably won't go through all of them, or at least not in depth on all of them because of the time it would take. But we'll start in verse number 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive of an, of an, uh, for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So, to be clear, Abraham was living his life in the Ur of the Chaldees. It was a place where his family dwelled uh, with his parents, siblings, nieces, nephews, at least one nephew. Uh, enjoying all of the provisions that his family had worked to, uh, to um, collect. And God comes to Abraham and says, All right, Abraham, I want you to leave the Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to go and you're going to sojourn. In other words, you're going to wander and live in tents in this land that I'm going to give you. I'm promising to you, Abraham, if you'll obey me, if you'll believe me, that I'm going to give your, you, your family, this land, and I'm going to make of you a seed, uh, in other words, your children will outnumber the sands of the seas and the stars of the sky. I'm going to do all this for you, Abraham, if you'll believe me and do as I say. Well, by faith he did it. According to this, not knowing whither he went. He had no idea where he was going, but he believed God and he went. And by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Verse 9, we just read, as in a strange country. It was a land God promised to him, but Abraham sojourned in that land in a strange country, he didn't really know it, it wasn't familiar to him, he wasn't with his, his family, he wasn't living in the comforts that he had come to enjoy, that he had come to be familiar with. He didn't have those things, but he was faithful and obedient and believed God, dwelling in tabernacles, in other words, tents essentially, that they would put up. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham wandered around in this promised land. It's called the promised land because God promised it to him. But understand that Abraham never received the fulfillment of that promise during his life. It didn't all come to fruition. God promised him the land. Abraham wandered in it and at times was fearful. Uh, God promised him a seed that would number the sands of the sea, outnumber the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven. You know, in his life, he had one child. Well, actually, he had more, but not with Sarah, who was the promise, the one that God promised to bring it to him with. So Abraham did not see those numbers fulfilled. Uh, Abraham did not, his faith did not become sight, at least not completely in his lifetime. But you know what's amazing? is that he continued to believe God and obey Him. Did he always obey Him perfectly? No. He went down into Egypt a couple of times, which we know scripturally Egypt pictures the world. And he lied a couple of times to try to protect his life and potentially, you know, lose his wife. But he was, for the most part, faithful. He believed God. Hebrews 13, verse 14, speaks to this city. 
It says, For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. You know, the city that Abraham was looking for was really uh, a city that was promised, a home that was promised that he did not get to see in his lifetime. But there is a time coming where God will, will fulfill that promise and he will establish a kingdom in Jerusalem, in the midst of the promised land, and it will all be fulfilled. But that time hasn't come, but that's what I believe that's pointing to when it says he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. It was a, a kingdom, it was a city that he did not get to see in his lifetime, but will one day see in eternity. In Hebrews 3, verse 4, it makes another reference to... Oh, I'm looking at two. I'm like, that doesn't look right. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. He understood there's a difference between spiritual and carnal or earthly. In Revelation 21, 2 and 10, we see the fulfillment of the promise. If we flip over there for a moment. Revelation 21. It says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So we see that city whose builder and maker is God is coming, eventually, in the millennium. So... Uh, we'll see that in the future. Speaking of, we just read Revelation. I should have mentioned this during announcements, but starting this afternoon, uh, my plan is to begin a study through the book of Revelation. So it should be, a, should be a fun study. At times, it may be an overwhelming study, at least for me. I don't know about what, how it'll be for everybody else, but, um, you know, and there's a couple reasons why I think it's important to study the book of Revelation. One, according to Revelation 1, there are blessings to those who read it, hear it, and do the things that are in it. So uh, there's blessings to learning the book of Revelation. But two, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of speculations. There's a lot of teaching from the book of Revelation in regards to end times prophecy that just isn't true. And there are things that people fear that we don't need to fear. Because as born-again children of God, we're not going to see the majority of what's contained in the book of Revelation. We, well, at least we won't see it from this perspective. If we see it, it'll be from a heavenly perspective looking down. I don't, I don't know that we'll see it, but we won't experience, we won't live through the tribulation. We're not going to be here for that. So uh, it will be a fun study. Prayerfully, it will give us some, it will help with if there's any fear contained. You know, for instance, the mark of the beast. We won't be here for the mark of the beast. So we don't really have to worry too much about that. You and I aren't going aren't to be around during that part. Uh, so I don't believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. I don't believe in a post-tribulation rapture. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And we'll see that in the book of Revelation, and we'll touch on that. Um, but anyways, I won't go into all that right now. But we're going to start introducing it today. And it'll probably be... It's probably going to take more than one week to introduce the book of Revelation. Um, it'll probably be a couple of weeks um, just kind of getting into it. So today's going to be an introduction. And by, 
you know, we're not going to do a lot of verse-by-verse verse study, but at some point we'll get into the first couple few verses and, and kind of dig in a little more. But um, So anyways, I just wanted to share that. I thought that'd be um, interesting for some folks. And as you know, if you can't be here, the services are on YouTube, and uh, I usually try to get them within a couple days on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So um, there's a couple places there. But anyways, we'll stick, get back to our message. So Abraham believed God. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So Sarah, beyond childbearing years, believed God and was able to conceive and have a son. So this is another amazing thing about Abraham's faith. God promised him a seed. And in promising him a seed, saying that it's going to outnumber the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, Abraham had to wait until him and his wife were both beyond childbearing years to see even one child born through the promised couple. Now, Sarah gave him Hagar, her concubine, and he had Ishmael with, with her, thinking that they had to take matters into their own hand because she wasn't having a child and time was running out, so... So there was an example of a lack of faith, which hopefully that gives us peace knowing that there are times we make bad decisions because of a lack of faith. But you know what? God still fulfilled the promise. But you also know what? There were consequences to the choice they made uh, when they lacked faith, and there are still consequences as a result of that. So anyways, um, their faith was amazing. And by faith, they accomplished things and saw God do things that were tremendous. Verse 12, therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Uh, Romans chapter 4, if we flip over here for a moment. Romans 4, we'll begin in verse number 16 when you get there. <coughs> It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Here we're talking, about, uh, we're talking about salvation not being by the law before this, and, then, and that justification is through faith. That's what this passage is. So it's being reiterated in verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Why is, the, why is he the father of us all? Well, it's going to tell us what I believe here in a second. Verse 6, 17. As it is written, I've made thee a nation, uh, sorry, a father of many nations, before him whom he believed. Even God, who quickened the, quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. It was against hope because it was not humanly possible for them to have a child at this point in their, in their lives. But they believed God that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. If my memory serves me correctly, she was 90 years old. Can you imagine having a baby at 90 years old, ladies? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded 
that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So I believe Abraham is called our father because, not because he's the father of the nation of Israel, but because he is the first example of faith. And God says he was justified by faith, which is the very same way that you and I are justified, by faith. So that example was set for us by Abraham. Thus, I believe that's why he is referred to as our father, not because we replace Israel. So I just want to be clear about that, because there are those that say, well, now, I don't need to get into all the false doctrine, but there are some that believe in what's called replacement theology, that we replace Israel as the church, and that Israel has been cut off, which for a time, we're in the church age right now, Israel does not have the same uh, blessings that God has promised for them, but there will be a time. All kinds of things I want to talk about, but we'll never get out of here if I do, so we better keep on moving. All right, <clears throat> where were we over in Hebrews 11? Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, there may be some in this, you know, we know that one day we're going to be with Christ. If we've trusted Him as our personal Savior, there is a time coming where we will be with Him. Now, the fullness of that promise won't be potentially until after we have passed, our bodies have been laid in the ground, our souls are with Him in, in uh, heaven, but the fullness of the promise and of the full inheritance we won't have received until He comes or until we get our new bodies and then comes and He establishes His throne on the earth and we rule and reign with Him for, for the millennium and then spend eternity with Him. You know, there are a lot of things still to be fulfilled that are still to happen. We haven't experienced those things. We may pass from this life and not see those promises, but that doesn't mean we don't continue to have faith and know that they are going to be fulfilled. Um, over in Peter, that's being dealt with. When there are those who are saying, where is he? Why hasn't he come yet? And what does he say? Uh, God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His desire is that every person on this earth would get saved. All of them. So he is long-suffering to us. He, is, he waits and gives us time, and he gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to come to him in faith, by faith, and receive him as our personal Savior. God is long-suffering. That's why I forget the passage. It might be the same one where it says the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. I don't remember the exact reference. Why is that? Well, because none of us would get saved if God wasn't long-suffering. Because the moment we sinned, we'd be cut off. But because He's long-suffering, we can live a life of sin. And for many, God has been long-suffering and waited and, and continued to be patient or long-suffering and continue to give opportunity until they come to Him in faith. All right. I'm thankful for God's long-suffering. Verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Speaking of that New Jerusalem we read about. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. 
And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. You catch that? Back in Genesis, God told Abraham, All right, Abraham, I've given you the son that I promised. I've given you the seed I've promised. You've been faithful. Now I want you to take that son, Isaac, take him over to Mount Moriah, right? Over to Mount Moriah. Lead him up to the top of the mountain. I want you to build an altar there. I want you to bind your son Isaac, lay him on the altar, take his life, and offer him as a burnt sacrifice to me. Now that, <laughs> that, that is, for most people, that's just going a little too far. Okay, God, I have believed you. I have trusted you. I've obeyed you. You fulfilled the promise that I have waited a hundred years to see fulfilled. I've lived a hundred years before seeing it fulfilled. And now you want me to take that promise that you gave me and bring him up on the mountain and offer him as a burnt sacrifice to you? God, come on. Surely you know that we've got limitations as human beings and there is just no way that I can do this. But that's not what Abraham said. Nope. He believed God. And he took his only begotten son up to offer him on the altar. Verse 18, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Why did he do it? Well, look at verse 19. This is how much he believed God. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, Isaac is a picture of Christ. Abraham and Sarah, beyond childbearing years, God gives them a child. Well, Mary, a virgin, impossible for her to bear a child in that state, God gives a child. A promise seed, just like Isaac was a promise seed. And as uh, Christ was offered on the altar of the cross, so Isaac was laid to be offered on the altar of wood. And then... Uh, Abraham believed that God was able to raise him from the dead. Well, Christ was raised from the dead. But we know that Abraham never had to strike his son down. But when he raised the knife, God spoke to him and he said, Now I know that you believe me. And there was a ram caught in the thicket. The Bible says, Behold, God will provide himself a lamb. That's what Abraham told his son Isaac. It's pretty amazing. It's a beautiful picture. Maybe one day we'll paint it even more clearly, but... Not today, because we don't have time. Verse 20. <clears throat> By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. We don't have time today, but we could go and study those promises and see how God fulfilled those uh, those. Uh, promises, those uh, blessings that those men gave to their sons. And they did it by faith, believing. You know, Joseph, when it says he gave commandment concerning his bones, Israel had been in uh, Egypt for a time. Joseph finished out his days there. Israel would spend over 400 years in captivity in the land of Egypt. But you know what's amazing? Joseph had faith knowing that God would fulfill the promise that he made him. So he told the people of Israel, when that promise is fulfilled and you leave the land of Egypt and go back into the promised land, take my bones with you because I want to be buried with my fathers. I don't want to be buried here in Egypt in this land. 
Why did he tell him to do that? If he had no faith, he wouldn't have said anything. He'd have just leave my bones here to where my wife family re remains are, you know, but he didn't. Verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. So Moses' parents saw that, they recognized he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They kept him safe when all the children of Israel, at least the men children of Israel, were to be killed. That's what Egypt commanded. But Moses' parents kept him alive. They hid him. 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was taken in by the Pharaoh's daughter, raised as a, as a prince in Egypt. But when he was old enough and he understood, he refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because he recognized, I'm not an Egyptian. The Hebrews, the Jews, who you're persecuting, who you've enslaved, that's my family. That's my heritage, and I'm not going to associate with you. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. He chose to suffer affliction with God's people rather than live as, as an Egyptian and enjoy, it says, the pleasures of sin for a season. That's about how long sin is pleasurable. It's for a season. It's for a time. And eventually it catches up with us and it's miserable. And especially for the Christian. It's miserable. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He considered living for God. <clears throat> the reproach that came as a result of living for God as, a greater rich, ri as greater riches and treasures than all that Egypt had to offer him as a prince. It's pretty, pretty profound, pretty amazing. By faith he forsook Egypt, you know, Christians, by faith, we're to forsake the world. We're to forsake what this world offers us. We're to forsake what this world stands for. It's lies. It's heresies. And instead, to suffer reproach with Christ. That's what we're to do as Christians. That can be hard to do. Because nobody likes to suffer. We want to enjoy the comforts of this world. The pleasures of this world. But we shouldn't. We should forsake the world. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember. Uh, what book was I reading this week? Oh, yeah. I started reading a book on church history this week. And in that book, it, it I'm studying it some in preparation for Revelation's Revelation 2 to 3, through 3, dealing with the seven churches, the letters to the seven churches. So I'm studying some about church history, and there was a period of time known as the Dark Ages, and during that time, faithful Christians were persecuted by the church at Rome because it was married to the government of Rome, therefore they were able and had the authority and the, the power to persecute faithful Christians who were just trying to live by faith and not by the command of the law or by the government. So that, let me just say that quickly, that is what the separation of church and state means. It's, it's not that Christians or pastors or churches should have no vote or say or be able to speak about government or make recommendations or speak to the wise behind who we vote for and all those things. 
The separation of church and state is to avoid another dark age where the government has a religion that they adopt as part of the government and it is an enforced religion on the people that are under the authority of that government. That's what the separation of church is. That you and I have the freedom, not just you and I, everyone in this country has the freedom to choose to worship God how they see fit. As long as they're not causing any physical harm. You know, you can't go blow up a building because you think you're going to do something for your God. You can't do that. You can't take lives. You can't affect people that way. But we have freedom of conscience. And God gave us freedom of conscience. So I believe it's a biblical, it's a biblical practice. Remember Adam and Eve? They had freedom of conscience. They were able to choose sin over God. We all have freedom of conscience. God designed that. So, I don't remember where I was, but I thought it... Anyways, I, I was reading about some of the things that were done, and, and there's some listed in the end of chapter 11 here, which we won't read this week because we did last time. But the horrific things, it blows my mind that people even would come up with this stuff. It is disgusting. I just I can't even comprehend it. I'm not going to talk about it because it's mixed company and we're online, but it was just disgusting. I just don't even understand how people could be so sick to do the things that they did to people. It's, anyways. Where were we? I gotta get my train of thought back. Now I'm just mad and disgusted. But. <laughs> 27, thank you, Elizabeth. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's where I was going with that. Those people endured those things, willing to die at the hand of the king, of the government, of the church state, and not recant or reject the faith that they had in Jesus Christ in order to save their life. That's the kind of faith this is talking about. Abraham, uh, not Abraham, uh, Moses wasn't afraid of the king. Verse 28, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You know, God told him, kill a lamb, put the blood on the top of the door and on the side posts, and, and when the angel of death comes in to kill the firstborn, I will spare your child if you, ha if you do that. Well, some didn't. The Egyptians didn't, and even some Israelites didn't. Excuse me, and God took their son, their oldest son. 29, by faith they compassed, uh, no, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. We read the rest a couple weeks ago, but we see a theme here, don't we? All these amazing things that were accomplished and that were done, you know how the people did it? By faith. They didn't do it, be, Moses wasn't able to do what he did, and he didn't choose to do what he did because he was a great man, a special man, a unique man. He had great strength, or because he had great intellect, or he was a great speaker. In fact, he said specifically that he was not a great speaker, but he did have great faith. And by faith, God used him to do that. You know, uh, when Joshua led the Israelites into the Promised Land, and they stood before Jericho, they didn't have battering rams. They didn't have dynamite. They didn't have explosives. But Jericho was a great walled city. 
It was one of the reasons that when the 12 spies went into the promised land and they came up to see these cities, they said, where is grasshoppers in their sight? They have great walled cities. They were afraid. But God told Joshua, march around the city seven times. And on the seventh day, uh, one time for seven days, on the seventh day, seven times around, and then, the, and then when you make your last trip, blow the trumpets and shout. Seemed kind of silly. What's walking around the building? What's walking around these walls going to do? Besides give us opportunity to look like fools. <laughs> What's that going to do? I mean, surely there, there's a lot of us, but walking around these walls isn't going to cause enough shake in the ground. Those walls are going to fall down. You know, Maybe if I was walking around, but no, I'm just kidding. But God knocked the walls down. And Rahab the harlot was up there on the wall, but God spared her life. Even though the walls came tumbling down, God spared that one person's life. Why? Because she had faith and protected God's servants. She didn't fear her king. She didn't feel her own people. She didn't fear her own government. She feared God. So by faith, she chose to put her natural life on the line to preserve those two men's lives. And God saved her life, put her in the line of Christ. That's quite the honor. All right, chapter 12. We're going to jump down to chapter 12. So how do we live and accomplish by faith? Well, first, I remember we're, our theme by faith this year is I guess this building project kind of probably is what got me thinking about this. But there's a lot of areas of our life we have to learn to live by faith. But just some things that God has done in regards to our building project. He has provided over $70,000 in funds donated. Lumber, a slab at cost, gravel for free, use of equipment, I've been told we could have a skid steer here, possibly a small backhoe excavator, a, a large excavator, large discounts on our HVAC materials, potentially a break on the septic system, drawings to be done, labor commitments that folks have made to help out, a missionary building team, Last week when I was at Church Hill filling in after the service, a man I've never met before came up and said, I'm a retired master electrician. I have a lot of carpentry skills. He said, I could probably come up and help you this summer. I've never met him, uh, but had the opportunity. Pastor Wiley asked me specifically to speak about, you know, the building project and what God's been doing. Uh, possibly we'll get some help from Jehovah Jireh down the road. And I mean, that's just a quick very quick overview of things that God has been doing to prepare for us to tackle this building project. How are we going to see it through to the end? Well, by faith. That's how all of these examples that we have accomplish what God called them, set them to do, was by faith. Now we'll get to chapter 12. First three verses is as far as we're going to go. Verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What is that saying? Well, well, who are the witnesses that we're compassed about with? Well, all the witnesses we just read about in chapter 11. All those people that by faith did such great things. We are surrounded. We are compassed about with these ex great examples of living by faith, of accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish by faith. 
It's interesting it uses the word cloud because clouds are typically somewhat see-through. They're, they're shadowy in a sense. So I think that's to say that these examples are to be remembered, they're to be looked at, but we're not to focus entirely on them. Well, chapter, verse 2 starts out looking unto Jesus. He's not a shadowy example. He is the one that we are to be focused on, but I'm getting ahead here. So we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know, I believe we all have weight in our lives. Things that will hold us back. We have sins in our lives that will hold us back. That will keep us from living a life of faith. You know, those sins which do so e doth so easily beset us, I, I look at those as kind of like those sins that we're, we're weak in. And that we find ourselves sometimes committing again. That we've confessed, we've gotten right with God, we know we're not supposed to do, but in our weak moments... Maybe it's when we're weighted down, every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, that those sins are easy for us to find ourselves going to. But just as Moses didn't want to suffer the, or enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, we shouldn't either. But we should cast them aside, lay them aside. If we're going to live by faith, we've got to get rid of those things in our lives. And then let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Brother Ron brought this up in men's prayer breakfast yesterday. The Christian life is not, the faith life is not a marathon. It's not something that we're going to get from, uh, from the starting line to the finish line in a short amount of time and, and in a, in a, at a fast pace. But it is a, it is a marathon. It's a long-distance, slow, methodical, step-by-step -step stride that we just have to be patient let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There are going to be things that we can't control in the Christian life. There will be things that are going to come up, obstacles that are going to come up that we're not able to control. Paul said, I've finished my course. A course is it's not necessarily a straight line. Sometimes a course has obstacles. A marathon. I have a friend that was training for an ultramarathon which is a 100-mile marathon. <laughs> I can't remember how many hours it takes, but it's a lot. I don't know. I don't think he's ever run, but I do think he ran, I think it's still called an ultramarathon, but it's half of that. I think it's a, I want to say it was a 45 or 50-mile run. And it's usually all like wooded terrain, through the hills, over the river and through the woods, all that kind of stuff. So what do you know about that kind of a course is there are obstacles that you're going to face, that we're going to face. But we've got this great cloud of witnesses that have demonstrated that the faith life can be lived. It is doable. Does that mean it's easy? No. Does it mean there are not many obstacles? Well, there are weights, there are sins that are going to easily beset us. So we've got to lay those things aside. We've got to be aware of them and recognize them when, when we're starting to get weighted down. When we're beginning to be tempted, we've got to recognize them and we've got to take measures to lay them at His feet. Cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. We've got to be prepared to do that. And as we do, we run this race patiently. 
Romans 12, 2 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Tribulations can stink. But we've got to continue to rejoice in hope. Have faith and rejoice in the Lord, as Paul said over in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Continuing instant in prayer. We need to be faithful to pray and bring our needs, bring our cares, bring our burdens, bring our, our weights, bring the temptations to our Lord and ask Him for help. Bring them to Him. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Why do I bring that up? Because living the faith life takes what we saw every one of those people do, we've got to die to ourselves Because we have to be willing to be content with God's plan for our life and not be frustrated because what we really want is our plan for our life. That's tough to do. Well, I had all these plans. I had all these dreams. I had all these desires. There's all these things that I want, that I like, that I enjoy in life. But if I live for the Lord, I might have to give some of them up. Or maybe we do have to give some of them up. That's tough for us to do, but we are to do that because we are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. We need to worry and concern ourselves more with living for Him. And can I tell you this? We will never be happier than we are when we are living for Him and fulfilling His will. Fulfilling the dreams that we have for our life, you know what those are? If God wants us to do something else, they're sin. And Moses recognized that the pleasures of sin were for a season. Maybe that's why the people who invest their life in building their own life and their own kingdom, think that they just need more, 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 more in order to be happy and find joy, but in reality, it's never enough. What is enough? The Lord, living for Him, serving Him. And when we do that and our life is consumed and revolves around Him, we'll never be happier. There's nothing that we will miss if, our, if we die to ourselves, and He truly is the preeminent one in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest by a rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. i got to die to myself. I did that 10 years ago. Well, according to Paul, he had to do it every day. Yeah. And if Paul had to do it every day, I suppose we probably got to do the same thing if we're truly going to die to ourselves and live for him. Something we got to do every day. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, he... He's the author because without him, there, there's no faith. What are we going to place our faith in if not for Christ? He is the author, the originator, the creator of our faith and finisher of our faith. One day it is through him that our faith will become sight. And because he is the author and finisher, we need to look to him. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what is going to happen in our life. He knows the trials, the hardships, the, the challenges that we are going to face, and He knows how to see us through them. 
But we have to be willing to continue to look to Him and rely on Him and trust in Him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, look at the example He made for us. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, He endured something far worse than you and I will likely ever have to endure. He endured the cross of Calvary. He endured the scourgings, the having his beard plucked from his face, having the crown of thorns pressed upon his head, having to carry his cross as far as he could, but he was so weak from the beatings that he didn't have the strength to carry it all away. So someone else had to pick up the slack. Simon, not slack, had to pick up the cross. Then he would be nailed to that cross, lifted up on the tree, only to die for your sins and for mine. He endured all that. Now understand, this isn't a, a man who had committed crimes. This isn't a man who had done anything wrong. This isn't a man that deserved this punishment. But he is a perfect man who did all that not for his own self, but for you and I. And in doing that for you and I, he endured something that he didn't have to endure, that he didn't deserve. You and I have far better than we deserve already. <laughs> but he didn't deserve any of that. In fact, he could have still been up in heaven sitting on the right hand of the throne of the Father, but he wasn't because he chose to come down and do this for you and I. And he endured the cross despising the shame. Why? Because it was shame he didn't deserve and didn't need to have on himself. But he, he took it on himself. There are some things living the Christian life, living the faith life, that we might have to endure. So that there may be some shame that we have to deal with, some hardships that we have to deal with, that we're going to despise. That didn't stop Christ from being faithful. That didn't stop Christ from still providing a way of salvation for us and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He got to see the end of this thing. Well, you and I will too. But in the meantime, we need to follow Christ's example, endure, and stay faithful to the end. And then verse 3, our last verse, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. What happens if we're not willing to endure? Well, we're going to be weary and faint in our minds. It's hard. We'll find ourselves both wanting to and ultimately quitting. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I know this is a pastoral epistle written to Timothy, who was training under the Apostle Paul, or head trained under the Apostle Paul. If we begin in verse number 1, it says, I charge thee therefore... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. That means be faithful when it's popular, when it's not. When it's easy, when it's hard. When people love you and they hate you. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There will be a time where preaching the truth will bring shame upon you among those who are listening or those other pastors or those other churches. 
but will uh, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to bring in the people who will tell them what they want to hear. Verse 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Rather than hearing the word of God preached, they're going to want to just hear stories. And cute stories that make them feel good. <laughs> we see that prevalent today. Verse 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. There is a crown to be received. Continue to love His appearing, to look forward to the day when we get to see Him face to face. What a day that's going to be. We too must endure life on the earth and all those things that are hard for us. Does that mean if we, if we fail or we fall that the promises are gone, that we lose our salvation? No, we've addressed that multiple times. It is eternal life. It is everlasting life that we receive. It does not end. We must remember Him Focus on Him, or we will get weary and faint. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all, that, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of Christians who are not in church or who are not serving God. They're just away from God. There are a lot of people who were in the ministry that are no longer in the ministry. Why is that? Well, because it's hard. And you... Serve God, but at the same time, you're serving people and ministering to people. And is it not hard to do something for, for someone and not be appreciated? I can't say I deal with this, but I know men who, and I have dealt with this, where you pour your life into somebody and you invest time and many times finances, and prayer, and you pour your life into people, and then they get upset with you and leave. <laughs> you know, or they stab you in the back on the way out. There are people who were in the ministry that are no longer in the ministry because they got weary. They stopped looking at Christ and started looking at their circumstances. They forgot that they were really serving Him, not serving the people, ministering to the people, but ultimately their service is for Him. It's to Him. And if we forget that, it can be really easy to want to quit. There are churches that don't worry about evangelization, that aren't going out and telling people about Christ and what He did for them. Why is that? Well. You get enough doors slammed in your face, you get enough people mad at you, you get enough no's, and it gets discouraging. And sometimes it seems like, well, it's, it's a waste of time, so it's easier just to not do it. Well, God tells us, go out into the highways and hedges. He tells us to share our faith. I think I started with this a couple weeks ago. William Carey, the father of modern missions, said this, expect great things from God, Attempt great things for God. 
Well, as Bible Baptist Church continues to move forward with a building project and trusting that God is going to provide the means, provide the hands, provide the, the, all the things that we need, we got to do it by faith. As we as Christians live our Christian lives and we deal with this trial or that trial or this hardship or that hardship, we've got to expect that God is going to bless us through that thing and then attempt to continue living for Him through it. Brother Brooks called me the day before I went to preach. Uh, actually, it was Wednesday. And he called me all excited. Brother Nathan, I heard this message today that was such a help to me. And he said, the pastor was preaching out of the book of Ruth. And he said that he was speaking about how when Boaz loaded Ruth up with the grain and sent her home, here's this lady walking through the streets, carrying who knows how much grain over her shoulder. And he said to the people who were watching and saw that, thought, boy, that is a heavy burden she's carrying. But Ruth knew that it was a blessing because did she not carry that burden? She didn't have anything. Her and her mother-in-law were going to go hungry. So that burden for her was a blessing, but to onlookers, it was a burden. Well, Sometimes, many times, we look at our burdens as a curse. But God wants to bless us through those burdens. He wants to grow us through them. He wants to increase our faith through them. And He can and will do that if we let Him. But we have to look at things with different set of eyes. And God can help us grow through it. All right, well, that's what I have for today. By faith, I feel like I got off track on the whole point of where I was really going with that, but by faith we move forward. All right, let's go ahead and pray. We'll have a moment of invitation and we'll dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this, the truth that we see in our passages of Scripture today. All that was accomplished and produced through the lives of these Old Testament saints by faith. They acted by faith. They obeyed you by faith. They saw much fruit through their lives by faith. They saw promises fulfilled by faith. And if they didn't have faith, they would have quit and not seen those promises fulfilled. But they had faith. Therefore, they built their lives around believing you. And Lord, if we would do the same thing, we need to believe you, we need to trust you, and we need to live our lives by faith, knowing that you are faithful that promise knowing that you will see us through to the other side of whatever, whatever trial or hardship we're facing, whatever task you have called us to fulfill, like a building project. Lord, help us to have the faith to move forward, to keep moving forward for you. I pray you'd bless Bible Baptist Church. I pray you'd bless all those who are here that are a part of it. And I pray, Father, that yeah, it'd be great to see more people, but Lord, in my heart of hearts, what I really want to see is the people who come here regularly grow in their walk and relationship with you, grow in their knowledge of you. My heart is to see the young people who come to this church to grow up and want to live their lives for you, 
to serve you with their whole hearts and their lives, to see the adults that come here growing and relationships strengthened, marriages strengthened, and families built up. And yes, Lord, I desperately want to see souls saved and lives changed and people come and, and be added to this body. But Lord, right here, even the folks who come have spiritual needs, and my heart's desire is that through this church, through assembling together here, you would accomplish your will in all of our lives. And our faith would be strengthened. It would be built up. Lord, help us as Christians to live our lives by faith. It's easy to say, almost becomes cliche, but God, we need to do it, and it can be difficult. I pray you'd help us. Keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. Is there anyone here today that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian. I can't say that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. I know if I were to die today, I would not go to heaven. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? How about Christians? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, yeah, I'm dealing with things in my life. I need to live by faith. I have not been doing a great job of living by faith. I've been worried. I've been fearful. I've been stressed. I've been overwhelmed. I've been anxious. I need to give these things to God and just trust Him and keep living the life He's called me to live and not allow myself to be weary all the time because of all the stress that I'm taking on myself. I need to, by faith, live my life for Him. Just take a couple minutes. We'll give folks a little time to pray, and then I'll close us out in prayer before lunch. Father, thank you for the many blessings you give us. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for all that he endured for us and the salvation that we can have and do have as a result of it. Lord, help us to follow his example of living by faith and enduring the things that this life throws at us while continuing to be faithful. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray you give us strength, not our own strength, but your strength to continue forward for you.
Help us, Lord, as we continue to plan and move forward on our building project. I pray that everything we do would bring honor and glory to you. I pray you would lead and guide and help as we continue working towards this. And Lord, I pray you bless. I do pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to be faithful in our soul-winning efforts. I pray we would see souls saved. I pray we'd see lives changed. I pray we'd see marriages restored. I pray we would see uh, Lord, wayward children come back to their families. I pray we would see things accomplished that only you can accomplish, Lord. I pray you'd bless Bible Baptist Church, bless the people who are a part of it, Lord, and just help us to continue to grow, help us to love you more every single day, Lord. Help us to love you more and live our lives for you. Father, we'll praise you and thank you for all you do for us. Give us safety, bless the food to our bodies, and bless our fellowship.